0: Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball, it's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered
1: by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. I'll tell you what, we uh, record this on Sunday nights, and I am quite thankful that the Brewers were able to pick up a two-one win against the Cardinals on Sunday or it would have been a little tougher to find some good stuff to talk about over the course of the next hour or so. Not that things are going great right now for the Brewers. They certainly are not, but Sunday's win definitely redeemed things just a bit. So we're glad that we're able to uh, have that to talk about here uh, on the podcast. As always, a couple housekeeping items to take care of on the top of the program. If you ever need to get in contact with me, you can do so via Twitter, uh, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also drop me an email if you'd like, matt.pawley at WTMJ.com. Also, if you do happen to listen to the podcast via iTunes slash Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, that would be fantastic. Also, subscribe if you have Apple Podcasts on your phone. You subscribe, and then just when this comes out on late Sunday night, early Monday mornings, it comes right to your phone. So subscriptions are very much appreciated as well. So subscribe to the podcast if you possibly can. If you just listen to it at WTMJ.com or the WTMJ mobile app, just keep doing what you're doing, and all is good. Have a number of things to get into. Our featured guest this week in the social media conversation, we're going to welcome Tom Kurtz back onto the program. You can read him over at Reviewing the Brew. And in our Down on the Farm segment, uh, we bring on the voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. That is Dan Karcher. He is going to be with us uh, coming up later on in the program as well. Obviously, not a great run here recently for the Brewers as Uh, in the last week or so, they did get a win against the Cubs, but then they end up splitting that series and they lose two of three to St. Louis on Saturday. They fall out of a playoff spot. They move back into a virtual tie for a playoff spot with their win on Sunday. They have lost eight of their last 12 games as we talk on Sunday night. I am not going to sugarcoat things for you and tell you that things are going well. Things are not going well, but I will say this: I don't think things are going as badly as many feel. There's a lot of people out there who are already saying seasons over. They're not going to make the playoffs. Just ju- you know, not that there was even a-, a bandwagon there, but if there was, the the jumping off is certainly occurring for a contingent of the fan base, and I get it. There's frustration. There's a lot of frustration. I understand that the history of the organization tells you that there have been some second half letdowns. I understand all of that. But I also think you need to put things in a little bit of perspective as you do look at what's happened. Baseball is not a game of just, you don't base things off just one single game. A lot of times you're not even looking at series. Now, there are series wins and series losses that are big, and I'll get to that in just a second. But when you look at a baseball team and you look at the trajectory that they're on, I do think you need to take a step back. Now, for the people who are very worried about what's going on right now, the taking a step back thing uh, shows you a picture of a team that over not a huge sample size, but also not a tiny sample size either, things are not going as well as you would like them to go. In the month of August for the Brewers, uh, they've got some numbers that you don't really love. They're 6-10 and in the month of August. They have a team ERA above 6 in the month of August. Their batting average in the month of August, not horrible, 261. You'd maybe like it to be a little bit better, but the only full month this year that they've had a better batting average than that was the month of May when they hit 264 in the month of May they ended up going nineteen and eight, so the offense is perked up. Although there has been some inconsistencies here recently, where I want to kind of take a step back. And again, this is not me making an excuse for a team. This is me trying to present some facts. And the the bottom line fact is they have to get things going. As mentioned, they've lost eight of their last 12. If they continue to lose eight of 12 every single 12 games moving forward, this is not going to be a postseason team. But a reason to maybe look back at what's happened, we'll even go all the way back to just before the All-Star break. A reason to maybe look at that period from starting at that series against Miami in Miami on July 9th and moving forward, when you look from there, while the record certainly leaves something to be desired, there's also some reasons to say, okay, this team is probably a little bit better than the way they've been playing during this period. So they go to Miami and Pittsburgh, they play a combined eight games, and they, they win just one. That was a period where they were ending uh, a time of playing 21 games in 20 days. I think they were just gassed. They come out of the All-Star break, and out of the All-Star break, they look like they would kind of gotten things turned back around. They lost two out of three to the Dodgers. I'm not, I'm not overly worried about that. The Dodgers, especially then, really good team. They then took two out of three from Washington, went on the road, took three of four from San Francisco. They split a four-game series in L.A. against the Dodgers, and they come back home, and they took two out of three against the Colorado team. So at that point, you're kind of feeling good about – where things were at. Then things start to go just a bit haywire, and it's the period since then that has Brewers fans on alert. It starts with a three-game series at home against San Diego where they lose two out of three. Of everything that's happened this season, that's that to me is the series that you can't have happen. You can't lose two out of three to San Diego. Uh, that loss on the final game of that series— where Corey Canable gave it up that might be the single worst loss of the season this year that's that's a low moment and if you if you could just get rid of that San Diego series i think things look a little bit different you lose two of 3 in atlanta right in the middle of a period where atlanta was playing fantastic baseball they were one of the hottest teams in all of baseball during that period and they had been one of the hottest teams in baseball until this most recent weekend where they uh, where they ran into a Colorado team that's really turned it on here recently. So you lose two out of three to Atlanta, you split against the Cubs, I'm fine with that. and then you go into St. Louis. And St. Louis is a team that has just been absolutely rolling recently. And St. Louis ends up winning the first two games of the series. And what makes it hurt just a little bit more, is the fact that uh, you fell out of playoff position after the Saturday night loss. Now, to give you an idea of how much St. Louis has been able to uh, turn it around, uh, this, Mike Matheny, when he was managing the Cardinals, in his final 75 days as the Cardinals manager, he won seven series with St. Louis. Mike Schilt. In his first 32 days on the job, won seven series. So Mike Schilt, in a little bit less than or a little bit more than a third of the time, uh, won the same amount of series as Mike Matheny did. The Cardinals have been on an absolute run. You would have loved to have taken two of three from St. Louis. I don't know if they're going to slow down or not slow down, uh, but that's kind of where it's at. So now you look at what's coming up. And to me, these next two weeks are really going to tell us whether or not the Brewers are in this playoff chase for real because you have some very winnable series. You'll play, but we're, as I mentioned, we're recording this on Sunday night. Between this Sunday and two Sundays from now, four series two against Cincinnati, one against Pittsburgh, one uh, against Washington. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh at home, Cincinnati and Washington on the road. you got to win these series. It's at a point now where you can't lose these series. Now you look at that Pittsburgh series, I've said it over and over, the Brewers don't tend to play well against Pittsburgh for whatever reason. It's just not a good matchup. Got to get past that coming up this weekend at Miller Park. Can't lose that series. Have to take advantage. If between the six games that will be played against Cincinnati over the next week and a half, if you can find a way to win five of those six games, that would be great. Everybody's been waiting to see if Washington's going to turn it on. I don't think they're going to, but you don't let them, you know get any uh, find their swagger in that weekend series. If the Brewers can have success against lesser teams over the course of the next two weeks, I think that goes a long, long way towards them showing that they are still going to be in this race. And then after that, I mean, the schedule is not horrible from then on out. Yeah, you do still have a couple series against the Cubs, but you have a series against the San Francisco team that's kind of fallen off. uh, You'll have Pittsburgh again. You'll have Cincinnati again. You actually have Pittsburgh twice. You'll go to St. Louis one more time, and you wrap up against Detroit. But you look at some other teams. Yeah, this is where having the roof at Miller Park could really pay out some dividends for the Brewers. Because there are a lot of teams that have played two, three, four games less than the Brewers at this point because of so many rainouts, and the Brewers uh, don't have any makeups left at this point moving forward. So I say all that to say this The Brewers are fine. They got to play better than they've been playing here recently, but they're still okay. They're fine. But these next couple weeks, when they play a bunch of teams that are not really in playoff contention, this is when they got to make some hay and get things going. Again, coming up on the program, Tom Kurtz from Reviewing the Brew. He's going to be up in just a few minutes during our social media conversation. Dan Karcher, the voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, he's going to join us in just a bit as well. But right now, let's get to this week's
0: Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Alright, headlines of the week. Let's, as always, uh, start by taking a
1: look at uh, some of the transactions of the uh, of the week uh, being sent to AAA this week. Jacob Barnes and Aaron Wilkerson. You've seen that churn at the back end of the bullpen. That's been something that's been uh, pretty common. Uh, Alec Asher was outrighted to uh, AAA Colorado Springs after uh, the Brewers claimed Jake Thompson off waivers. Thompson uh, taking a spot on the 40-man roster. I would suspect... We'll see him in Milwaukee sooner than later, uh, especially if they want him to be possibly eligible for a spot uh, in the postseason. I believe the way the rules work is he would have to appear for uh, the Brewers at some point prior to uh, September 1st. Uh, Zach Davies continuing his rehab assignment. He's going to make one more start uh, at Biloxi, and then they're going to uh, reassess from there where he's at. He just hasn't pitched much this year. And when he has pitched at the big league level, he has not been overly successful. His rehab assignments have not been especially good either. You know, if he, here on this rehab assignment, if it would have clicked in for him, there's no doubt in my mind that he'd be back in the rotation. And I don't know if it's a Freddie Peralta or somebody else that would find their way out, but they're waiting on Zach Davies to get going, and you almost wonder, is there enough time left for him to uh, to find it. he's got He's eligible for one more start before the time is going to run out on the 30-day rehab assignment. Matt Albers going on a rehab assignment to uh, Biloxi. It would be a big boom to the Brewers if he could find what he had early on in the season. I mean, when you think about it, early on in the season, the Brewers' bullpen with a Corey Knable, a Josh Hader, a Jeremy Jefferson, a Matt Albers, all those guys were just money pitching. And right now, with Knable struggling, Joaquin Sori was brought in, but he's on the disabled list. Matt Albers hasn't done so well recently. Uh, it's, It's come to a point where the guys you really have confidence in are Josh Hader and Jeremy Jefferson. There's some other question marks there in the bullpen, and you want to see some guys get going. Corbin Burns was so good when he first got called up, but he's a rookie, and that's going to happen. You're going to fall back. The league adjusts to you. you got to adjust to the league, and I think we're in that period right now. Uh, with uh, the with Corbin Burns. But the, the bullpen's got to be back figured out at some point. Keon Broxton brought back. Uh, he was with the club over the last few days as well. As uh, with some off days, they were able to go one less guy in the bullpen. And uh, that was certainly good to see. Mentioned Jimmy Nelson. Uh, the Brewers essentially confirm this week that Jimmy Nelson is probably not going to have the opportunity to pitch with the club this year. I've been kind of saying a version of that. I thought at best this year, Maybe he'd come up and make a couple appearances uh, in September, especially out of the bullpen. I at no point in time, at any point in time this year, had much of an expectation that Jimmy Nelson was going to be a major contributor. We got questions uh, on my WTMJ shows all the time. What's the update on Jimmy Nelson? When's he going to be back starting? And I was always very caught. I tried to express caution to people that don't expect anything out of this guy this year with the injuries coming back from. And I think we're starting to see that. And here's the other side of that, which hasn't really been talked about in very many places. Jimmy Nelson's on the 60-day disabled list right now. That means he does not count against the 40-man roster. If you activate him just to get him an inning here or an inning there in September out of the bullpen, he's going to cost you a 40-man roster spot. This team, those 40-man roster spots are incredibly valuable. Almost the entire 40-man roster is going to be up in September. And they're probably going to have to make some 40-man moves as well, some guys who currently are not on the 40-man roster uh, that they want to get in for September. So Jimmy Nelson taking a a 40-man roster spot by coming off the 60-day disabled list just to get an appearance here and an appearance there, uh, I'm not sure if that is a, a thing that you really, really want to do at this point. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, nagging injuries this week. Eric Thames had a collision with Lorenzo Cain in the outfield. He hasn't played a ton. Manny Pena's dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury. He hasn't started. This is another place where a 40-man roster... You know, if Jacob Nottingham is the other catcher on the 40-man roster, he's injured right now. And they don't have the flexibility at this time to find a spot for a Jet Bandy, find a spot for a Christian Bethencourt here at the moment. So had... Had Jacob Nottingham been fully healthy at AAA, I'm guessing that Manny Pena probably would have gone on the disabled list. You sit him down for a week and get J- Jacob Nottingham back, but Nottingham is, is a little bit banged up. We're going to get an update about Nottingham coming up later on when we talk with uh, Dan Carter on the uh, down on the farm uh, section of the podcast. So uh, be tuned in for that. Ryan Braun in Chicago hurt his rib cage, but uh, he got back. He had a couple pinch hitting appearances, and he was back in uh, the starting lineup for uh, the Brewers. Uh, and at the end of the St. Louis series as well.
0: So that's a general rundown of what happened over the course of the last week. We call it our Headlines of the Week. After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers
1: X-Range, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a social media conversation. Very happy to uh, welcome back onto the program a guy you can read uh, over at uh, Reviewing the Brew, longtime sports media professional in the uh, Milwaukee market. Follow him on Twitter at kurtz It is uh, Tom Kurtz. Tom, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. And I thank you for uh, choosing a night to talk after the Brewers uh, won a game instead of... Uh,
1: Losing it to you. Yeah. The, look, we're gonna we're gonna look back at really the way this team has been going, and they've still only won what I guess four of their last twelve. But I, I think we both can agree the team winning on Sunday dramatically changes kind of the overall feeling about this team. That was a big win on Sunday.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, as far as you don't want to say one game in a season means more than another, but obviously this one kind of just felt different. I mean, you would have gone down. A game and a half of the Cardinals, um, which would be uh, crazy to think of at the All Star break. So I think, for a lot of reasons, it was good to to get the win, go back home, and hopefully they can get on a run here. Because um, yeah, it's, it's the wild card race in, in the division is still not out of the picture, but the wild card race is uh, very bunched up right now. There's uh, five or six teams that uh, for two spots. So uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, fun baseball, I think, to uh, come up here at Miller Park in the uh, last month and a half here.
1: Yeah, you talk about the wild card race, and we're talking on Sunday night, so there's a pretty good chance that by the time people are listening uh, to this podcast later on the week, it, it will look completely different. But you want to talk about craziness at the top of the wild card You've got the Braves and Phillies. They're tied for the NL East lead, so basically they're tied for the first wild card as well. One team would be the NL East winner. The other team would be the wild card winner. Then uh, you did have the exact same situation with the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, I guess the Rockies were able to win to move into the NL West lead. But prior to their win, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks were tied for the second wild card spot and the NL West lead. Now the Diamondbacks are in NL West lead. The Rockies are in the second wild card. They're in a virtual tie with the Brewers. Cardinals are a half game back. Dodgers, who probably have the best. Uh, who, who have the best roster in the national league and their run differential is the best in the national league. They're only a game and a half back. I mean, this is crazy right now in the wild card.
2: It is. And there's some teams there that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought would have staying power. Cardinals being the first one that uh, (laughs) uh, to come to the top of mind, but even the Rockies uh, are are playing a lot better than I think a lot of people gave them credit for. A lot of people are doing this with um, names that maybe uh, you don't know of or younger guys. So, We'll see uh, how everybody reacts uh, down the stretch. I mean, I think I still like the Brewers' position, even though there's a lot of teams now. It's not like you have to leapfrog a lot of teams. The Brewers have had that um, situation in the past. They're right there. Um, and they have a lot of home games and uh, some winnable games coming up uh, after this tough road trip uh, Road trip that uh, everybody knew was coming. Three and five is not exactly how you want to do it, but I think they have everything uh, in front of them um, still, even after this. And uh, I might be a glasses-half-full person, but I think the Brewers have a, a big streak left in them. They have a, a lot of talent. I think they have more talent than a lot of the teams that we're just talking about there. So if if everything goes to form, I think the Brewers are going to be uh, in the playoffs at the end of the season.
1: A couple weeks ago over at Reviewing the Brew, you kind of wrote um, uh, a roadmap to getting to the postseason. One of your points <laughs> was strong bullpen play. And right now, quite honestly... The only two guys that when they come into the game you're pretty confident in, at least from my perspective, is Josh Hader and Jeremy Jeffress. You don't know what you're going to get on any given night at this very moment. As we talk at 8.08 p.m. on Sunday night, you don't know what you're going to get with Corbin Burns. You don't know what you're going to get with Corey Knable. You don't know what you're going to get uh, with Dan Jennings. Obviously, I can go list every other person in, in the bullpen, uh, Joaquim Sori is still on the disabled list, not much of a, a time frame on when he's going to be able to uh, return. Are you concerned right now that seemingly there's only two pieces that are uber reliable at the moment?
2: Yes, and I could probably talk for the next 15 minutes on this topic. Uh, so let me start at least with the, your first basis of uh, you know the bullpen where they are. Obviously, Jefferson and Hader, like you said, are the two that you feel the most confident in. And I think that is where um, a lot of angst comes on because everybody always wants to see those guys whenever you're in a close game. And this, would, this happened on, on Friday night when uh, Lyle stayed on for two innings and the Brewers were, were down a run and counsel all year and stepped in a couple of situations has not used his two main guys in, in, in games that you're losing. Now, when you keep losing games <laughs> or are or down games consistently like the Brewers have been, they are not going to pitch as much. Conversely, they pitched a lot at the beginning of the season because it always seemed that they were up a run or up two runs, and you needed them or tie games. You needed them almost every day. So over the course of the season, it's just kind of one of those things. And you can, and especially with a guy like Josh Hader, you you're not controlling innings as far as being a starter. But he's a young guy, and going two innings most of the time every time he pitches, you have to be careful careful with him, and you cannot just pitch him all the time. Now, yeah, in the blog that I wrote. <laughs> Uh, it, this was a roadmap for the Brewers is, is get some five, six innings out of your starter because you, you don't have the starting pitching um, top uh, end that uh, maybe some other teams do. And then you kind of shorten the game with the bullpen. And I think the Brewers, what I wrote in there, would be doing a lot of that in the last month of the season into the playoffs, maybe the last two or three weeks of the season in the playoffs, because you can't burn everybody out. But I think Soria is the key there is he makes that bullpen. Soria and K'nabel, I mean, when I wrote that, I was I was banking on those guys. <laughs> now I don't know if Canavel is going to get it together or not. It, it seems like uh, there's some outings that uh, you look like, oh, the curveball is working, and then and the next outing, it's not there anymore. It's, you you can't count on it, but you cannot just pitch Jeremy Jefferson and Josh Hader every day. That is not sustainable as well. So it, it is a tough thing because they they need to use the bullpen, and you know Craig Counsel can look bad when choosing a person that will give up runs. But <laughs> right now, there's injuries and ineffectiveness uh, with everybody else that's not Hader or Jeffers.
1: I, you kind of bring it up, so let me throw this at you. I I really like Craig Council as a manager. I agree with the vast majority of things he does. I think he's turned into one of the, the better managers uh, in baseball. There's There's one small issue that I take with him, and I wish he managed one-run deficits – I'm not talking two-run, not Mm three-run. I wish he managed one-run deficits the same way he would manage a tie game or even maybe a one-run lead. I I feel like with this team and the way they can hit home runs, a one-run deficit is so easy to come back from from this club that I would feel more comfortable if Hayter was available when the team was down one. I don't want to see him pitching when they're down three, four, five runs. Would you... Agree or disagree with that one tweak that I would make on the basic routine of Craig Council managing a game?
2: Yeah, I can see that. and I agree with you. Um, as far as Council, I think, you know, when they were winning, it looks good because they're winning. And I think the players determine <laughs> a lot of times on what's happening. I mean, we micromanage what a manager's decisions are, but you have to kind of look at the process instead of just the result all the time. That being said, I agree. I think, it goes back to again with playoff baseball. So we're talking about September in the playoffs. Things have to change a little bit. Maybe how you manage in game 90 is not going to be the same now that there's uh, we're in the down stretch uh, home stretch of the season. Maybe he d- does need to change that soon. I think I saw the post game and they asked him that question and he said, not yet. Yeah. Meaning that I think he will be changing that. It's just not going to happen yet because there's still too much time and you can't, just burn out everybody in my, in my, I was fine with how council did it, not bringing those guys in, in a three, two game. I get what you're saying. I probably wouldn't have brought Lyles back for another inning though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it, that was, that, that should have been Taylor Williams or Corbin burns a spot. I feel right. like, mm-hmm. but
2: that, that, and that's, yeah, and that's, that's where I was too. And you know, I just, we had this talk uh, a little bit uh, off air before uh, we went on the podcast, but uh, you know, one thing that, I see is just on Twitter and now I'm starting to see the hashtag fire council come up way too often. And it's just, it, it's just not a good look. I don't think for fans. And I, I it's a long season. I th- and I agree with you. I think maybe there's some tweaks that maybe I wouldn't do if I was Craig council, but I'm not Craig council and what he's been doing. He's got a great pulse on the team. He doesn't make decisions correctly hundred percent of the time, but who does? And you never know. It's, it's a results oriented business. You just don't know by if you do X or Y, you'll never know what would happen if you did the other. Um, That's why baseball is so fun, but it's also such a game that it lends to criticism and and second guessing. And it's tough because we don't have all the stats uh, that they do either.
1: And there's different ways to be successful managing a game. I think most Mm -hmm. people look at Terry Francona and... I'll throw Joe Madden in there. I think most people agree that Terry Francona and Joe Madden are both very good managers and they do things very differently. So you can take different roads to find a successful place. And I feel like sometimes you, people maybe, you know, I can sit here and say I would do something a little bit different than Craig Council. I'm not saying he's wrong, I'm saying I would do it a little bit differently. But I also mm-hmm. realize that different managers do things different ways and it's not always there's a right way and a wrong way generally there's multiple correct ways to handle a situation and also multiple incorrect ways to handle a situation
2: right and and, and you should be able to you know question a move especially in real time when it's happening i mean it, it's fair that it's a it's a professional league so i mean but just to go the other way and just say he's an idiot or fire him he doesn't know what he's doing i mean that's just it's just hard to see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Brewers fans obviously didn't like Ned Yost. He, he, he got run out of here as well in a situation where they were going all in. I don't think this is the same type of situation or type of year that it was when uh, Ned Yost left, but Ned Yost did prove that he was a, a good manager and won a World Series. So uh, I would always just be careful to, to go too far down on a manager when really at the end of the day it's the players And a lot of things, I mean, people have talked about it, but I think more so is the inconsistent offense is the reason and the bullpen and the (laughs) pitchers. I mean, it's all wrapping into one, but I think in a lot of these situations, the reasons that they're not winning and they might be down a run or two and not up a run or two, like they were consistently early in the season is because their offense has been inconsistent.
1: All right. You bring up the offensive inconsistency. That's right where I was going. Go with you next here in this conversation. Uh, They, the offense had really perked up since the arrival of Mike Moustakis. And then on this mm-hmm. most recent trip, second game against the Cubs, they score four runs. That was one of those days at Wrigley where run-scoring environment, four runs wasn't a lot. And then they scored just two runs in every single game uh, of the St. Louis series. It's something that has existed throughout the entire course of the year. One of the most frustrating things about this year's Brewers team is the inconsistent offense that we've seen. Thought maybe that would go away a little bit after the Mustakas deal, but now here over the last four games as we're talking on Sunday night, we've seen that offense go away just a bit. Doesn't at some point, especially if this team's going to make a run and get into the postseason, don't we need to see the team go on a a pretty extended, consistent offensive run?
2: I think so, and, and you know when they've had their best offense, it's it's been almost like a guy or two carrying them. You know, uh, Aguilar carried the Brewers for a stretch. Yelich, obviously coming out of the All Star break, Kane earlier in the year. They're going to have to get multiple guys hot, and, and it can't be all just by the long ball. I know that's what they are are set up to do, but they are not hitting well with runners in scoring position, not getting the runs in when they need to. Uh, it's just it kind of snowballs, and one of the problems they had. And that's why they they made the trade was that their seven, eight, nine, and you can even say six through nine was just not performing. One through five was performing pretty well, but it's hard to have a rally when you're just getting nothing out of the bottom of the order. They elongated the lineup a little bit with Moustakis, but they're still not getting anything from catcher really. They're not getting anything from shortstop and well the pitcher's the pitcher, but they elongated a little bit, but it hasn't helped enough and they're not sustaining rallies in my opinion. And I don't think they're really gonna have much chance to change anything at the shortstop and catching positions here the rest of the year so they're going to kind of have to ride with what they have. Now if they could get Scope going a little bit and he can play more at short, maybe you have something there, but at this point it's the scope struggling, Arcia kind of is still looking lost. I mean, he's had a couple of hits here and there uh, more than he did before he was up, but um right now I think that's part of it is that you're still not getting a lot from the end of the lineup and And it's been, guys aren't getting hot at the same time. And I think they can. Moustakis has been pretty good since he came. Braun has uh, picked it up this second half of the season. So I think there's a lot of good things that you see. I think Yelich and Kane are always going to hit. And, you know, I I don't see how they cannot score more runs. I think it's going to come here, especially going back home. And a guy that really needs to do it is Travis Shaw. I mean, he's got some good numbers, but he's clearly not the same guy as he was last year. With runners in scoring position, I think I saw he's like three out of twenty now. When we take this, uh, with run with the bases loaded, I, not hitting lefties as well as he did last year. His average is down. I mean, I didn't think he's a three hundred hitter, but I think he needs to get that up tomorrow in the two seventy five range. Uh, so I think for a lot of those reasons, um, you know, they couldn't solve everything at the trading deadline, and uh, they tried to do some things. And I think Scope not playing well. Uh, he was AL Player of the Week going to. Uh, the week before the trade, and now he hasn't uh, hit at all since he's been here. I think that's one of the issues.
1: The um, uh, One of the things that I hear all the time, and I, look, the national folks haven't helped. I've been told that you know when the game was on Fox Sports 1 the other day, when uh, people on MLB Network are talking about the Brewers, that there's a constant criticism of David Stearns for not going and acquiring a starter at the deadline. And mm-hmm. while you would love to see... A starting pitcher. I, I it's so this is this is the easiest argument in the history of the world for me to make because you look at the trade that the Pirates made for Chris Archer, and I, I've said it over and over. The Brewers equivalent of what the Pirates gave up for Archer would be Keston Hira, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. So the the Pirates gave up their version of those guys for a Chris Archer. Who has all the potential in the world to be a really good starter, but has not performed better than a number three starter in quite some time, and is continuing to put up those kind of numbers in his, you know, few starts with with Pittsburgh? There, I I would have David Stearns. A was never going to make that move, but I think more importantly, I and the Brewers fan base shouldn't want David Stearns to make a move equivalent to what the Pirates did.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say much better than that. I, I At the time, I, I that deal went from bad to worse. I, I didn't, uh, when the player domain name later was uh, named. But even so, I, I know he's, Archer's controllable, but the Pirates, I mean, they were going to have a hard time making the playoffs this year. It just seems such an odd move for a team that let go of Garrett Cole at the beginning of the season. Um, But also, yeah, I, I don't know what else Stearns really could have done. Now you can point to some of the guys that, other teams acquired like a Gossman or a, a Hap that have uh, done, done pretty well since uh, they got traded. But I, I'm not sure I, I said at the time, and I'm not going to go back on it. I think they needed to get a frontline starter. If they were going to get anybody Yeah, getting a three or a four starter and giving up what you had to give up for them was probably not going to be the right move for now or the future. Uh, and you know, The Brewers still have Zach Davies and Jimmy Nelson. Now, neither may help this year, but you have to look at next year as well, depending on who you're getting and and how many spots are going to be open. I think a front of the rotation starter is what you needed, and he wasn't out there at the deadline.
1: I still think, this probably applies more to the bullpen than anything else, I still think you can make a deal in August, and August is all about finding guys Mm -hmm. who have bad contracts that teams won't claim off waivers. There's a lot of bad contracts out there there's got to be a bullpen pitcher that can clear waivers. Who knows, maybe even a starter that you can bring in. But I, I just, I would have a hard time believing that the Brewers don't have at least one more move in them uh, before the end of August gets here.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it goes back to like that blog that I wrote before. I mean, you're going to, these games are going to become bullpen games. And even if it's not a true starter or if it is a starter, a, a person that could be a swing guy, go multiple innings. I mean I think that's what you're gonna get. You're not gonna see the brewer starters, maybe save for Justine go through the order for a third time. When you're when you're getting down to the end of the season you need to win. So you're gonna need guys like that. You're gonna have the, the September roster uh call ups so you're gonna have a lot more bodies that you can go to. Um so I think that that's kind of the baseball you're gonna see. I mean if you think <laughs> the way that uh Craig Council manages the bullpen now, I mean it's gonna probably be um a lot different uh the last couple weeks of the season and hopefully into the playoffs and i think you're right i think getting another arm uh, i still think um getting soria was one of the, the, the the biggest move that they made at the deadline unfortunately i mean he did well in a few games before he got hurt i think he really makes that bullpen a lot better i, I would count him with jefferson and hater as a guy that i would Love to see that I would feel confident with. Yes, I think that's how you brought it up earlier. Is feeling confident. I feel very confident with him. I thought that's how it was going to be with Matt Albers, but uh, after the first two months of the season, that went out the window. So I think you need a few more guys like that, and, and a trade definitely makes sense.
1: I'm going to be very interested to see what it looks like in September because your what you just said is totally correct. When especially when you look at last year, because last year he was just going crazy. With pitching changes when they had all the pitchers up in September. I feel like this year that group of guys that are going up and down a lot, those guys have not been quite as successful this year and I just Mm -hmm. I have a hard time believing that an Adrian Hauser and Aaron Wilkerson, guys like that are going to be brought into these big-time situations kind of the way those type of guys that you know those the 28th, 29th guy was uh, last year. So you might be right. I'm just, I'm, I'm very interested because I have less confidence in those guys this year than I think I did last year. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense.
2: Um, I'm just saying that you can go to these guys earlier than you would have had to. And for example, guys like a Dan Jennings or a Taylor Williams, you can go to those guys earlier, pitch them more than than you had before. And, and the guys that I'm talking about the September call ups, or maybe if you make a trade. Maybe those are the guys that pitch when you're down. So now the people that are on your roster now are almost only pitching in tie games or, or close games, and then the other guys can uh, mop up and you can save them and, and have these guys uh, fresher when they come in in the fourth inning or fifth inning. Uh, and Well, then that brings up Freddie Peralta, though, is, is a problem in the sense that he's not doing well in the first inning. So um, that theory goes out the window if a guy like Freddie Peralta Just can't get it together, even for
1: three or four innings. Yeah, it's we could talk for hours about some of the all the small (laughs) little issues that are popping up for this team right now. But let me finish you off with this, and I'm I think the Brewers fan base is a fantastic fan base. Obviously, the attendance numbers uh, speak Mm -hmm. for themselves. Players love playing in Milwaukee because they know they get the support. So sometimes when I make a comment like I'm about to make, I'm probably talking more about the vocal minority that exists on a social media or that calls into a post-game show like mine. But I just get this sense that for many Brewers fans, there's this impending sense of doom because they've been let down in the second half of seasons a number of times in the history of the organization. And I don't think past failures uh, can you know be, a, be something that would indicate future failures, but do you think there's a, a portion of this fan base that maybe has a hard time? I for me, a pennant race, every game mattering during the months of August and September. My goodness, there is nothing better in sports than being able to live and die with your team mm-hmm. on an every single night basis. And I see so many people just giving up on the team, and we're we're at basically at the halfway point of August. Do you think there is a problem with, a, with, with some percentage of this fan base of not being able to enjoy what's probably going to happen over the next six weeks?
2: Yes. <clears throat> um, uh, to expound on that, yeah, I, I do. Uh, see, I, I've always been a Brewers fan since I was four years old in 1982, <laughs> which is a great year to get into uh, following the Brewers. But in all of those years since, there has not been too many times, where we're talking in mid-August, that the Brewers are a playoff contending team, and they're going to have meaningful games the rest of the year. So, for me, this is this is still great. Yet, you have to look at the big picture, and I think you're you're right. It, it is a lot of the the vocal minority people like myself, for example, are just not going to be tweeting all the time when things are negative. You know, that you're just quiet. A lot of the fan base just gets quiet and internalizes it realize it is one game and it's just that doesn't make for the hot takes that go on Twitter (laughs) and the people that may call in after a loss. Um, So I get that, but I think a lot of it to your point stems from the fact that the Brewers fans have been in their minds burned um, over the years here when they've had teams and had, uh, I don't want to use the word collapse. I think some years maybe, but I don't know if that's the correct term for some of the seasons the Brewers have had. Um, but yeah, I think that all that is kind of wrapped up, rolled up there. And I think another thing is, is that you get a little spoiled being in Wisconsin for some of the teams, especially the Packers. You get that mindset where you think you should be in the playoffs every year. So when things don't go well, um, you kind of have that same mentality. And it should be the opposite, in my opinion. If you've been a Brewers fan, as long as a lot of people have, you should be enjoying it. And that's kind of where I come from on it. That's kind of how I started the answer is that, They haven't had too many of these years, so even though the last few games or few weeks uh, haven't gone exactly the way it did for the first few months of the season, you're still in a good spot. You still have a good team. People are coming back from injury. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic still, uh, given where they are, and I think sometimes it's it's just hard when you're on Twitter, and I've mentioned this before, someone like myself that Lo- Love is watching the Brewers on a uh, after a loss, after a tough loss like they had in a few of them lately, like uh, Tenable, uh giving up the runs in San Diego and some of the games here with St. Louis. Is I-, I personally just won't go on Twitter after I see that, or I, I wouldn't call into a show because I don't want to deal with the negativity because it-, it can be overwhelming, and I think Twitter's a great thing, but it can be pretty nasty, and uh, I don't like to see that.
1: Good stuff from uh, Tom Kurtz. Follow him on Twitter at Kurtz 43 uh, Tom, if folks want to read you over at Reviewing the Brew, uh, talk a little bit about what they can uh, find from you.
2: Sure, yeah. You know, I, I'm just kind of uh, – I don't write daily or anything like that, but I try to put some uh, longer pieces together, do a lot of research. So that's kind of my niche uh, to what we're doing over there, and I've done a lot of lists uh, – the one that uh, people probably read the most, uh, and if you haven't seen it, is uh, I kind of ranked David Stern's top ten transactions and trades that he's made since he's been there. And you kind of read those, and it's pretty amazing at what he's done in the three short years that he's been here. And I did that around the trade deadline, so I didn't include those trades, obviously. But there's there were some that didn't even make it in the top ten. I mean, that's how good a run he's had. Um, so I did that, and, I, and the last one I did uh, was the top five lefties left-handed starting pitchers in Brewers history. So that was kind of fun to do. Um, they've had they Hagera and Caldwell are their, their two best that they've had. Then they had CC Sabathia uh, for only a few months, but uh, he deserved to be in there for sure. And then after that, they'd have a lot of solid, but unspectacular guys. So that was a kind of fun one to research, to try to see who deserved to get in that spot. And did kind of shine a light on uh, that. They haven't had as many stud left-handers after it went from Caldwell to Hagera and then, There's injuries with Higuera, and then they just have not had that stud that they've uh, got from their farm system or a trade after that that's been here for uh, multiple years. And they don't really have one uh, coming up either unless you move Josh Hader to be a starter. But anyway, those are the last couple that I've done. So I appreciate anybody that uh, goes uh, checks those out. I I try to put that in a lot of research stuff that I do.
1: Great stuff as always, Tom. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll get you back on the podcast here in uh, the next couple months or so.
2: All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having
0: me. <laughs> the future of a Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: Brewers x the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time to go down on the farm as we welcome in one of my favorite podcast guests, he uh, was a guy that I worked with for uh, six years in Colorado Springs. He is the longtime voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, who are in the middle of a playoff chase right now in the Pacific Coast League. He is uh, Dan Karcher. You can follow him on Twitter at Sky Sox Karch. Dan, it is always good to uh, catch up with you. How are you?
3: Doing well, Matt. We just finished up uh, another ball game today, the uh, Sky Sox did uh, did well winning 17 to 5 over omaha and uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be aired uh, today or tomorrow so it might not be relevant but a uh, three game series sweep of omaha uh, sweeps are never a bad thing.
1: Yeah, that's a it's a good place for the team to be in right now, as they uh, have won a few in a row now, and they're they're trying to chase down Oklahoma City that uh, they're within a game of. And uh, just talk to me a little bit about this playoff chase. I know obviously Sky Sox and uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers have a number of games against each other before all is said and done.
3: Yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty exciting, uh, especially considering this is the last uh, season of AAA here in Colorado Springs, and uh, nice to go out uh, with a with a exciting finish because it is going to go right down to the wire, it would appear. Uh, Sky Sox uh, have, as we speak today, 16 games left, and nine of those are against the team they're battling for the division title, the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Same team that they uh, beat out last year for the division title, and, and the final five games of the season are at home against Oklahoma City, So it could very well come right down uh, to the wire in those final few games over Labor Day weekend.
1: The the biggest thing that probably happens this past week is Rick Sweet uh, becomes the winningest manager in the history of the Sky Sox. And there's been some... Really good managers that have come through Colorado Springs and uh, managed the club through uh, the previous affiliations with the Indians and uh, with the Rockies. Uh, what does it mean to see a guy like uh, Rick Sweet in the final season of AAA baseball become the winningest manager in franchise history?
3: You know, it's really cool because uh, Rick, as you know, Matt, is such a dedicated guy when it comes to baseball. He's a baseball rat if there is such a thing. He just loves this game all these years later. He's been at it for a long time and uh, managing here on the PCL for a long time. And uh, while his uh, top priority is obviously developing talent and trying to help the Brewers uh, get to the playoffs there uh, in Milwaukee, uh, he certainly, as a byproduct of that, would love to uh, win down here. And he has, for the most part, done a tremendous job in, in uh keeping things afloat when it's so difficult here at AAA to do that with player movement being constant uh, during the course of a, a AAA season. But, you know, man, I got to thinking the other day that, uh, I mean, we had a, a giveaway here the, the other night with Jim Tomey being uh, inducted into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago, and he played for the Sky Sox, the first ever Sky Sox player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that was back in the Indians' days. Uh, back in the early '90s, when he played here, and, and they and they gave out a Mount Rushmore of Sky Sox players uh, a giveaway, including Jim Tomey was one of the uh, uh, guys uh, displayed on that uh, giveaway. But I, I got to thinking, who would be the the managers that would be displayed on a Sky Sox Mount Rushmore? And of course, Rick Sweet is right there, having surpassed Brad Mills, who was uh, also uh, who was a guy he surpassed for the all time wins uh, total as a Sky Sox manager. And the other two guys would be uh, Charlie Manuel and uh, Tom Runnels. To me, are the top four managers in franchise history over the 31 years we've had Triple A baseball. So that's uh, when you put him in that company, I think that speaks volumes. And uh, Rick uh, definitely belongs there. He's done a great job these four years, and he and he hopes to go out on top uh, in this final season of Triple A here in the Springs.
1: When they do things like the the Mount Rushmore of Sky Sox baseball, and with your longtime. Uh, history with the club being there almost the the entire existence of it. Uh, do you do you ever sit back and kind of has this year maybe been more of a year where you've reminisced back on uh, on the things you've seen and the the calls you've had throughout your time with the team?
3: Well, you know, I've had to because so many people ask me about it, and mm-hmm. I've I've been interviewed a lot more this year than I have in years past. It seems like anyway, so I'm kind of forced to to think about those things, but. Honestly, Matt, I mean, uh, you know what it's like during the course of a baseball season. It's a grind, and you're just trying to get through the baseball season, and, and you play every day, and you're traveling, and you're doing this, you're doing that. You're pulled in so many different directions that you literally uh, have very little time to think about those type of things. It's almost like the players, when they ask them, do you ever think about your milestones when you reach them during the course of your uh, playing career? And it's like, not until the season is over until, or maybe until their careers are over. Uh, do you have time to really reflect on that kind of stuff? So from time to time, uh, yeah, I have uh, obviously uh, thought about those kind of things and talked about them, but uh, probably won't be until long after the season is over that I'll really be able to uh, uh, have some time to reflect back on some of the things that have happened during the course of my career. And Matt, Let's face it, there's a book coming at some point, so I'm going to have to do some serious <laughs> reflecting to uh, uh, conjure up some of those stories and, and, and remember some of the things that happened back uh, over the course of the last uh, 30 or so years. So um, it's, uh, it's been fun, and uh, hopefully it'll uh, finish off on a, on a high note.
1: Uh, if that, if and when that book gets written, uh, our moment, uh, we, uh, we don't have enough time and nobody probably cares on this podcast, but we had the moment in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where <laughs> the ball's getting thrown around it hit the Albuquerque manager uh, and we could not stop laughing. And all, it, yeah. that is still maybe my favorite moment of baseball. Bra- it was just uh, it, it was so it was so funny at the time.
3: Yeah, totally spontaneous. You can't script those type of things, and it's just, uh, you know, it's like hitting your funny bone. I mean, it just, we couldn't stop from laughing uh, because uh, if we looked at each other, we would laugh. If if one of the other guys said something, we would laugh. I mean, it, it just, uh, it was the perfect storm, and uh, like you said, nobody out there knows, you know, even close to what we're talking about, but to Lorenzo Bundy was the manager, and in and, and, how to be a guy like that who got struck by the <laughs> thrown baseball uh, that that uh, made it even more comical because he is such a great, lighthearted guy. He even saw the humor in it after it happened. But uh, yeah, Matt, uh, those type of uh, crazy uh, uh, shenanigans that, that have gone on will also make the book for sure because uh, that's what makes this job uh, so pleasurable and, and so delightful are moments like that where At the time, you kind of uh, are sweating it out, thinking I'm not going to be able to say another word without laughing. But uh, somehow you make your way through it, and and, uh, you look back on it, and there's still one of the fondest memories uh, you have uh, to uh, reflect on.
1: The joke around here in Milwaukee is, If an Adrian Hauser throws two or three innings, he'll be back in Colorado Springs tomorrow. When that happens to a Brandon Woodruff when Jorge Lopez was around, Alec Asher. Guys like that who have just been up and down, up and down, up and down. I mean, literally, anytime that last guy in the bullpen gets a mop-up duty of multiple innings, they're calling in another arm that next day. How is that? Those guys, while they're mop-up guys with the Brewers, they're key parts of a Sky Sox roster. How has... That churn is, you know, I I spent six years in Colorado Springs, and most of that time was with the Rockies. We saw churn, but we didn't see it the way the Brewers are doing it right now. How incredible is it that that's happening? Yet the Sky Sox are still winning.
3: Yeah, it, again, that credit goes to Rick Sweet, Sky Sox manager, for for keeping it all together down here. Matt, I've never seen anything like it either. Uh, the way the Brewers have uh, shuffled uh, pitchers uh, back and forth this year, and. And they're not doing it with seasoned veterans for the most part. It's uh, younger guys, guys that aren't accustomed to uh, making that kind of adjustment. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, uh, like you said, an Adrian Hauser, uh, Aaron Wilkerson. Um, and, and honestly, Matt, I think it's really had kind of a negative effect on them down here because they haven't been able to um, um, kind of uh, get into a routine and, uh, and and I think I've seen him more with uh, Brandon Woodruff uh, today, as a matter of fact, as we speak today, uh, Sunday, August 19th, uh, he lasted three innings and threw 75 pitches. He's not the Brandon Woodruff we saw last year. Now, is it working for the Brewers? That's all that matters. And uh, and that's, uh, it's going to continue uh, as long as the Brewers are, are in contention, and hopefully that will be for, for the rest of the season. So um, it's just the way it goes here at AAA, and guys have to make the adjustment. And uh, some handle it better than others, but it has been a challenge, no doubt about it.
1: A lot of times when I do these conversations, you know, people listening are so interested in the the proverbial top thirty prospect, and uh, there's a Brandon Woodruff, a Jacob Nottingham, but those guys are are individuals that Brewers fans are, are pretty familiar with because of their time in Milwaukee. Those the the young up and coming prospects that haven't quite hit the big leagues. That's not something that exists quite as much this year, or at least at this moment with the Sky Sox. There's a lot more veterans on the team. Has that been a a good or has that been a bad thing?
3: Well, uh, good question, Matt. Um, It depends on how the season uh, kind of uh, wraps up here. I think it, it can be a bad thing because when you get that many veterans from different organizations together on one AAA team, and and uh, guys are not getting called up, that can lead to some resentment and negative vibes. Um, now, I don't think that's happening here. Uh, obviously, the team is playing well, so I think that speaks to uh, how this uh, the character of the ball club, but definitely can be an issue, Matt, no doubt about it. I think last year, the team played so well and, and had uh, really a much better record than the team has this year. And they did it with um like you said, a lot of prospects uh Lewis Brinson and uh, Ryan Cordell and Brett Phillips and uh, Garrett cooper. I mean, the list went on and on with the prospects they had last year, and I think that uh kind of helped the team stay energized and enthused about uh maybe winning here at the triple a level. That isn't necessarily the case when you get a lot of the triple A or major league veterans together on a triple a ball club, and I think that's a challenge definitely for for the manager and 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 again to have a guy like Rick Sweet trying to um, make sure things don't get out of hand in that regard is ever so imperative here at the AAA level and I think uh, having Rick down here this year is probably even more so uh, uh important for the organization to make sure things don't get out of hand uh, with this uh this many veterans on on one AAA team
1: Kind of interesting. You just mentioned four prospect guys from last year in Brinson, Cooper, uh, Phillips, and Cordell. Not a single one of those guys in the organization anymore. Does that surprise you?
3: Well, let me tell you, uh, it does a little bit, yeah, of course. Uh, But uh, Matt, I think one of the most remarkable things I've seen during the course of my long broadcasting career in baseball is the job that David Stearns has done in turning this organization around. In the span of three years. I mean, I am just absolutely stunned at, at how they have turned this organization around in such a short period of time, basically breaking it down uh, from scratch and then rebuilding it in, in the span of three years. I mean, hats off to the job they've done. And, and, and part of that is uh, you, you build the organization with prospects. And then once you get good, those prospects are tools for trades. And so that's, uh, that's what they've done and they've done a terrific job at it. And, um, so yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that not one of those guys is back. But on the other hand, when you're in a position like the Brewers, that's exactly, uh, what you do when you've got those kind of prospects and you're contending and trying to make the playoffs in the big leagues is you use those guys either as, either as, uh, as uh, key parts to your major league, uh, ball club or as, uh, as, maybe some trade bait to get uh, guys like Mustakis and uh, Scope from other teams to try and help you win at the major league level. So, um, yeah, it's been a little bit uh, shocking, but still uh, I can't question anything that David Stearns does when it comes to trying to uh, win at the major league level.
1: Nate Orf got that big league shot. Didn't do all that much with it the first time. You see that at times with guys. Back at AAA now, uh, in August, in 16 games, he's hitting three thirty-three, so there was definitely no Major League hangover for him. He's such an easy guy to root for. What has been his response that he finally got that chance at the big league level?
3: You know, I haven't really sat down and talked to him in depth about that. I'm going to hopefully hear soon before um, we lose him again. Um, but Nate is such a well-grounded kid that I think, nothing is going to get him off his game. And um, but I haven't spoken to him specifically about that moment on July 4th when he hit that home run. I mean, it was uh, just an incredible uh, time for everybody that has any kind of association with the Brewers or the Sky Sox or Nate Orff. I mean, it couldn't have happened. He couldn't have scripted it any better the way things uh, transpired for him. But it's a storybook type of, um, of uh, career and, and um, journey for, for a guy that went undrafted and, um, you know, really defied all the odds to get as far as he's gotten and just a good kid to boot, not only a great ball player, but a good kid. So everybody's rooting for him. And to have that kind of moment is uh, really special and uh, gratifying and deserving uh, for a guy who's worked so hard to try and uh, uh, make a lot of people look wrong that didn't draft him. and um, But I'm going to have that conversation with Nate here hopefully soon, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. Because I remember, Matt, when I interviewed him before he got called up shortly before, and, you know, he already had an idea that it was probably going to happen this year. I mean, you could tell by uh, his answers that he pretty much expected that uh, the Brewers would make some room for him at some point, and they did. But he said he kind of answered one of my questions by saying, uh, you know, when I get my first interview at the major league level, uh, they're going to ask me if, if, if um, I ever saw this moment coming or am I, am I, am I uh, upset over the fact that it took so long for me to get to the major leagues. And his answer he said, we'll be no, because when he was undrafted coming out of college there at Baylor, if he ever you know, envisioned himself being in a position to be upset over not being called up, he said that would have made him happy, because he never thought he would be in a position to be upset over not being called up from AAA. So that kind of uh, tells the story of, of Nate Orff and, and, how long and how far he's come to make it uh, to this point in his career.
1: Another guy the Brewers fans are rooting for is Reimer Lariano. He's been through a lot. He had the incident in spring training, which was a really, really scary incident. Good to see him back in the Brewers organization. I know the numbers aren't there, but to me this seems like it's kind of bigger than the numbers. Do you kind of agree with that?
3: No doubt about it. I mean, um, and he's another guy I haven't really talked to in depth yet uh, about about that and, and about him being back with the Brewers organization. I think Hes an interesting story even more so than than beyond the fact that you know he's he's been able to try and overcome that that terrible incident there in spring training a couple of years ago uh getting hit in the face with a with a pitch and being um, uh, out for the year and and maybe out for forever if if he didn't come back from that and i mean it's uh it's one thing to um to survive something like that it's another thing to come back and play at this level so He's a guy that had a great start with the, uh, with the Salt Lake Bees this year in the Angels organization. In fact, he got voted to the uh, AAA All-Star team and was on his way to the All-Star game when he got a call from the Angels saying that he had been released. Hmm. I mean, how many times has that happened, right? You get, uh, you get selected to the All-Star team, and then you find out you're released before you even get there. So, I mean, you go from one extreme to the other. This guy's been through a lot during the course of his uh, professional career. Uh, from injuries to, uh, you know, going from one team to another, being released and all that. So, um, you know, I think uh, seeing him battle through adversity like that is uh, is really um, is really fun to see that he's been able to come back as far as he has and um, obviously putting up big numbers this year. And uh, we'll see where that takes him. He's He's been to the big leagues already with the Padres and the White Sox, but I'm sure he'd like that opportunity as well with the Brewers, and we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, come September.
1: Let me finish you off with this: the catching position. When when the rosters expand in September, major league teams always like to have at least three catchers. And, and Jacob Nottingham has been the guy who's been called up a few times this year. I know he's a little bit banged up. Christian Bethancourt continues to put up nice numbers. Same with same with Jet Bandy. Is the expectation that Nottingham is going to be available in September, or should Brewers fans maybe be looking at a at a forty man move with one of those other two guys?
3: Yeah, I think uh, they're hoping that Nottingham will be ready uh, come September. He will not be ready to rejoin the Sky Sox uh, before the season is over, I am told. Uh, So um, whether or not that means they bring somebody else up in the meantime uh, is totally, um, I I just don't know. But I can tell you this, that uh, the two guys that they have uh, down here, that would be options are playing outstanding uh, for the Sky Sox and Christian Bethencourt and Jed Bandy. I know Bandy offensively challenged with the Brewers, but he has uh, turned that around down here uh, when it comes to his offense. He has uh, done ex- exceptionally well uh, in that regard. And Christian Bethencourt has been tremendous all season long, both behind the plate and at the plate. Um, I-, I would, I mean, both guys deserve a call-up uh, with the Brewers this year. But, I mean, Christian Bethencourt, coming from where he's been, having pitched last year for the Padres in their organization uh, last season and coming back and catching full-time this year, he has really done a a tremendous job in in, uh, focusing on catching and improving in that area. He's thrown out close to 50% of the runners trying to steal against him this year behind the plate. He's put up big numbers at the plate. I would hope the Brewers would give him a shot in uh, September, I think he can uh, help them uh, as well as an addition on the roster there uh, down the stretch.
1: Always interesting to see what happens with the September call-ups because uh, we've seen with the Brewers and what we talked about earlier with the pitching, I mean, they are going deep into that 40-man roster for guys who have contributed this year at the big league level, and then once you get to September, there's non-40-man guys that you want to give opportunities, and it's always a, a numbers crunch.
3: It is, and um, you know, there's guys down here like Aaron Brooks, who has done very well uh, pitching, starting for the Sky Sox now. He's uh, he's looked as good, I think, as uh, ever that I've seen him pitching in a Sky Sox uniform. He'd be a guy that I know they're looking uh, long and hard at calling up. And uh, there's other others like you mentioned that aren't on the uh, 40-man roster now. They that's the one thing the Brewers have done this year. They've they found ways to uh, call up guys that haven't been on the 40-man roster to help them at the major league level. Alec Asher's another guy they've, they've done that with this year. So I think uh, that's proven to guys down here, Matt, that if if you put up the numbers, even if you're not on the 40-man roster with this organization, you'll get a shot. And Mike Zagurski another guy that got a shot. Now it didn't go very well for him. But um, if you put up the numbers down here, they'll they'll find ways to bring you up even if you're not on the 40-man roster and I think that uh, is encouraging for the guys that are down here and uh with other organizations looks like maybe they don't have a, a chance of be, being called up but I think in in this case they do so um I think that's another aspect of the uh of the game that the Brewers have done um done well in in giving guys a chance that um, have um, played well down here and are not necessarily on the 40 man roster but they find ways to bring them up.
1: Keep an eye on the Sky Sox. They are in a playoff hunt right now with not a whole lot of lefts a whole lot of season uh left in the year. Uh Dan Folks want to uh listen to the broadcast, uh watch the broadcast on TV. just talking through who how they can uh go about finding uh all the different uh broadcast avenues for the Sky Sox.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we have an app uh, for extra sports, 1300, uh, the radio station there, Matt, that you used to work for, uh, has an app that's uh, probably the best way and easiest way for folks to uh, click on other broadcasts. And then if you want to watch the games, just go to uh, milb, uh, com, and they'll, um, it's, if, a, if I can, uh, you know, manage to find uh, uh, and navigate my way through that website, then anybody can, so um it's it's fairly easy. Just go to MILB.com and you should be uh, good to go.
1: On Twitter at Sky Card Stan, these are always one of my favorite conversations to have on the podcast. Thanks as always for taking some time.
3: Thank you, Matt. And uh I think we deserve uh some uh props for not uh, uh losing it, laughing and, and not uh you know uh being able to continue like we did there a few years back in Albuquerque. So uh, good memories, and uh, always good to chat with you as well.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Dan Karcher, the voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, joining us, and certainly appreciate you uh, listening to us reminisce about some things. I'll tell you what, from a, from a personal standpoint, uh, I lived in Colorado Springs for six years, and I was a broadcaster uh, with the Sky Sox. That's what took me to Colorado Springs, and they're losing Triple A baseball in Colorado Springs, and they're going to get short season ball. There's a pretty good chance that they'll continue to be uh, the Brewers affiliate there, because the Helena team is moving into Colorado Springs. And I'm sorry to see the community of Helena losing baseball, but I'm even more sorry to uh, see the city of Colorado Springs uh, losing AAA baseball. It's a really good baseball city. We could talk about the altitude and the issues. Uh, if, if a new ballpark would have been built in Colorado Springs, I guess, A, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now because the Rockies probably would have never left Colorado Springs where the Brewers come in, and that was my connection to the Brewers thing. So I guess, in a way, it's a benefit that that happened. But just from an emotional standpoint, I'm bummed for the city of Colorado Springs that they're going to lose AAA baseball. Uh, when baseball expands, and you know, people sometimes, forget, when we talk about baseball expansion, I think a lot of people just think, oh, two more major league teams, very few people think through the larger implications Of that, so if you add two more major league teams, that means there's going to be two more AAA teams, two more Double A teams, two more High A, two more Low A, a bunch of short season squads as well. You know, a lot of teams that are maybe short season teams, like a you know a Boise is probably a team that is probably a city that could be a AAA team. A Portland, if they don't get major league baseball, could they be a AAA city once again? So there's a lot of moving parts to that side of the baseball business. But all that being said. I'm hopeful that one day Colorado Springs is a Triple A city again, but it won't happen in the current ballpark that they're in. They would have to build a new ballpark. For me, the issue in Colorado Springs is actually more about the wind, where that ballpark is located, not so much about the altitude. I think if they built a ballpark, maybe in the downtown area, lots of buildings to block wind, uh, architecturally figure out a way to block wind with that stadium as well. Uh, To me, baseball would still work at a pretty high level in Colorado Springs. So that's sidebar that many Brewers fans probably don't really care about that much. But Dan Karcher joining us, a guy that I worked with for quite some time, and it's always fun to be able to be joined by him on the podcast. My thanks to uh, both him uh, and also Tom Kurtz, who joined us a little bit earlier on the program. Looking ahead, and I know we did this during our open, opening segment, but just uh, very quickly, looking ahead to what is coming up this week, uh, the Brewers have a three-game series series against the Cincinnati Reds. That is going to start on Monday night, so a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series between the Brewers and the Reds. Brewers have had pretty good success against the Reds this year. You are hopeful that that can continue on. The Reds have fallen back to earth a bit, although they just had a nice series over the weekend against the San Francisco Giants, who have kind of fallen off. But overall, you hope that the Brewers can have some success against Cincinnati Chase Anderson, Junior Gare, Freddie Peralta, as we talk on Sunday night, are the pitchers scheduled to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Homer Bailey, Sal Romano, and uh, Robert Stevenson, the pitchers uh, scheduled to go uh, for Cincinnati. That Homer Bailey on Monday, I said this to wrap up uh, Brewers Extra Innings on Sunday. Bailey this year is 1-10 with a plus-6 ERA. Uh, He has been a Brewers killer. And it seems like when these guys who have had long-time success against the Brewers are having really off years when they face the brewers they look like their old self i am worried about that for monday night hopefully that doesn't come to fruition as always, you can uh, hear all the games uh, on 620 WTMJ across the Brewers Radio Network. Also, it is Packers season, so if you are ever looking for a Brewers game, you go to WTMJ, and it is the Packers and not the Brewers. The uh, The overlap games end up over on 94.5 FM. That is uh, WTMJ's sister station, KPI Country, so 94.5 FM. Uh, when the Packers are on WTMJ bumping the Brewers over to another station. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you next week with another edition
0: of Brewers Extra in the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. For listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the Home of the Brewers, News Radio 620 WTMJ.